Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited to have Dr. David Z back on the show. Um, it has been a little while, so I'm going to give you a moment to give yourself an intro. But while I am, before I do any of that, make sure you all hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff to get your emails anytime we go live, which is, of course, every day. Now, we've been talking about playing the game for... This will be our day four now. Excited to keep going on that. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, by all means, put them in the comment section. We will engage them as we go through the show. David, what do you think? Give us a little 30, 45 seconds, who you are, where you come from, all that good stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess I really ought to tighten this up since I keep being asked to do it. But um, <laughs> I'm a doctor of physical therapy by training. It's kind of funny. I, I texted you earlier that uh, maybe this isn't the best topic for me because I chose to not play the standard game and I left my clinic job and moved to Mexico and developed a whole business around teaching people how to work with plant medicines and organize ayahuasca retreats down in Peru. So I'm definitely playing a different game than uh, what I was in the beginning of my life. But that's what I'm doing now. Sort of stumbled into organizing jujitsu retreats, uh, working with veterans for those jujitsu retreats, getting them into plant medicines ultimately still on that path of healing people, but no longer working on the physical body, working on the mental and spiritual side of things a little bit more. So that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Playing the same game at a different table, I think. What do you guys sure. think? Sure. Mm, <laughs> I, I, not the same game, playing a game, but at a higher yeah. frequency, higher frequency. I like I'll take that. that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, quick comment right here. KH jumps in to say, good day, crew. Let's get to the game. All right. Well, let's get nice. to it then. <laughs> so let, let's talk about that, Dave. You know, you said that you decided to stop playing the game and you went to a new game. So give us a little rundown what that looked like. How did that, when you, when did you make that kind of realization of just like, man, I'm, mm. I'm out. Yeah, man. From, uh, from day one of becoming an actual physical therapist, I realized I really didn't like the rule set anymore. So I dedicated the first like 24 years of my life all towards achieving this goal. And then I got there and got a job and realized I actually didn't enjoy it very much. And uh, the reality of insurance companies just grind your soul into a fine powder. And uh, the objective that I signed on board for of helping people was it, it quickly became apparent that that wasn't all that there was. That was about 15% of the game. The rest of it was making money for my boss and billing insurance companies as much as we could without getting sued by them. Uh, and if you happen to help somebody, that was just kind of a bonus. So it became quickly apparent that that position was untenable for me. Um, the next plan was to work for myself doing physical therapy for jujitsu athletes, which was kind of getting a little bit closer to what I wanted to do. But honestly, I kind of stumbled into what I'm doing now. And it turns out that's what I was meant to be doing. So it was really just, you know, the reality of the situation was untenable for me. I hated it. I was making me depressed. It was making me borderline suicidal, continuing down that path for the next 40 years. So I knew that that was not uh, something that I could continue engaging in. And um, ultimately, COVID actually forced my hand. I got laid off from my clinic and it gave me this grace period. And I realized I never wanted to go back there. So um it was actually a, a blessing in that regard of kind of forcing my hand and giving me that space to think about it and realize it's not what I wanted to be doing. Hmm. Sean, you got any thoughts? 
Yeah, I do, if David doesn't mind, but I guess he doesn't have a choice because I'm about to launch into it. Uh, so uh, I did observe David for quite a long time. And uh, the reason that David came onto my radar was through our mutual friend, Seb Lavoie. And uh, so I started watching David at a more than arm's distance on social media. And I, as he just uh, described his trajectory, that's what I observed as well. But I don't want to leave out the fact and David didn't say it, but I, I, I want to say it for him. I saw a guy who was working hard to try to figure it out. And so when he was um, in the standard issue uh, physical therapy game, I saw him trying. And then he evolved into trying to work with uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu athletes. He was trying. Like, it's not that uh, he was in a game that he didn't like and he was like kicking it back and relaxing and not in the game. He was in the game that he was playing. He just didn't enjoy the game that he was playing, but he was still in it. He was still mm. trying to make it work. And then through a process of meeting people and talking with people, as I observed from, again, an external perspective, David started to shape his own life in the direction that he belongs in, as he said. And so I think it's a case of, uh, to use David as a fine example, perhaps, uh, it was a guy who was in the game who never gave up on the game, who tried to figure out his path in the game. Now that he's in it, he's playing his game. And I dig mm. that. Man, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would agree with that assessment. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I've left a lot of stuff up on my Instagram page. So like if you scroll way back, you'll see me advertising like the knee pain escape system, which was some like 12 week program I cooked up just to try to like make money off of jujitsu people with injured knees, not just make money off them, but help them. And that, that was what I was doing at the time. And yeah, man, I, I actually invested a lot of money into like business coaching and marketing and sales and all of this stuff to try to make something work. Because like I said, I knew I couldn't continue on in that PT clinic. I thought that my path was still physical therapy to some degree. So yeah, I was trying to make it work. I was, I was trying to play that game as best as I could. And as you said, I've kind of left that and uh, maybe making some of my own rules along the way now. But yeah, very much trying to win. Um, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday that I, I used to really struggle with just straight up laziness and procrastination. And so I appreciate what you said of like, you saw somebody working. I know that I wasn't working as hard as I could have been, but I think it's also because I wasn't playing the game that I was meant to be right. If you've got like a, a basketball athlete and put him on a football field, he might try, but it's just not a sport. Right. So as I've moved closer and closer to what I take to be my purpose on this planet, it's gotten easier and easier to play that game and easier and easier not to succeed, but to, to put in that effort and see results back from it. So it's almost like this constant, uh, constant confirmation that I'm moving in the right direction. So I really appreciate you just making that note of my evolution, man. It's, uh, I guess it feels good to be recognized for that. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and now I'm going to add something else that this is not for David. This is for the, uh, anyone who's going to be listening to this later, but David can take it or leave it however he feels. So, uh, when I was observing David, uh, working hard and trying to figure out the path that he deserves to be in. <clears throat> There was a time there where I, I thought, through my own observations, and I may have been wrong, I thought that you were struggling a bit. And uh, as I watched you struggle a bit, I had a choice. I could have reached in and helped, or I could have left it be to see what comes of it. And I chose to leave it be. 
because uh, I, I don't know this is going to sound crazy to maybe everyone, but I thought, no, he needs to struggle a bit more. He, he just he just needs to he he needs to figure this out under duress, under adversity, under difficult circumstances, because I know he's going to figure it out and I know he's going to come out better for it. And so looking in at what you were doing, again, I chose to leave you be, to not even say, hey, how you doing? Because I felt that's what you needed. I just felt. Now, mm -hmm. I could have been, I could have been off. I could have, if I would have reached in and said, hey, buddy, how can I help you? Which I do from time to time. Uh, I could have done that, but it just didn't feel right. So I've got an academic question now because neither of us can truly answer it because it's now in the past. Mm. But as an academic question, what do you think? If if maybe if I would have reached out and said, hey, pal, how can I help you? How can I take all, away all your burdens and, and hold your hand and lead you to the direction that you've got? I'm not saying I could have, but what I'm suggesting is make it so easy for you that you wouldn't have struggled enough. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. So are you asking what that would have been? What I'm, what I'm asking maybe is, can we maybe explore if I would have tried to help you, would, would you think you'd still be in the same place that you're at right now? Mm. Um, I think so probably, but I, I hear what you're saying of seeing this and, uh, sitting back and not stepping in. I'm reminded, and I don't know if this is even true at all, but if you like cut the chrysalis away from a caterpillar that it doesn't develop the strength in its wings to actually fly, it has mm. to go through that struggle of that transformation. I learned that from an episode of the show Lost, so I really have no idea if that's biologically accurate. But Dude, I'm still lost on that that show. <laughs> I'm still lost in that show. I still don't understand it. Who who does? No one, who does? No one does, bro. But the <laughs> the analogy serves pretty well, I think. So. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. I don't think about this often, but around January or February, I really was at a low point where I was struggling with um, giving up this identity of being a physical therapist. That's when I was trying to make both things work, where my wife was developing this microdosing program that is now the crux of what we do. And I was trying to be a part of that and sell this knee pain escape system bullshit right. at the same right. time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, <laughs> well, that was... Language. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Thank you for checking sorry. me. My apologies. So yeah, I was trying to make them both work and it was not like both things were just not working. And I was not fully committed to either one. And I was burning money in this coaching program to teach me how to sell the personal training stuff and seeing no results because my heart wasn't in it. And mm. I didn't even believe in what I was trying to sell to people. Mm. So yeah, that, that definitely was my struggle point. And that was the point where I fully kind of gave up that identity of the physical therapist and embraced being, you know, the, the plant medicine path that I'm on now. And it's interesting. I'm still coming back to the PT stuff and finding ways to integrate those skills. But I was at this, uh, almost a crisis of identity because I didn't fully believe that I had what it took to be like a medicine man, if you want to call it that, which I, I still don't call myself that. Um, but to embrace that path, I didn't think I had what it took. And I also didn't believe in what I was doing on this other path that I had the objective skills and knowledge and training for, but my heart wasn't in it. So that was probably that low point that you saw. That's a great spot to be though. I mean, it oh, sucks, yeah. but it's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's a yeah. necessary spot to be in. For sure. Um, so what you would have done to help me, man, I have no idea. Um, 
I'm a firm believer that you have to just mess things up yourself and make all the mistakes yourself. Uh, Naval Ravikant has a great line about this, that like axioms and idioms and, and advice, they really just serve to remind you of what you had to go through to learn by yourself. So I've always been the kind of person, if you give me advice, I can be like, Roger, sounds good, but I'm going to go screw this up anyway, because your yeah, advice right. is meaningless to me yeah. until I've until I've experienced the pain of it. I can be like, I'm sure that that's correct, but I'm still going to go do this dumb thing and then, you know, learn from it myself, gain that firsthand experience. And then I'm like, ah, yes, that's exactly what this guy meant by that. And it's, it's funny, actually, I have this, uh, this was the first tattoo that I got right here. That's my Hebrew name that I chose for myself. It, it's, uh, it's Da'at, which means uh, it doesn't really translate clearly, but it's sort of the marriage of knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge being sort of book learning and wisdom being lived experience. And when I was in Israel, when I was 24, that was the name that I chose for myself. And that's carried a lot of meaning for me as it relates to all of this kind of stuff. Well, uh, it, <laughs> what on earth do you even do with that? Hey, <laughs> so I do, I do have a thought, uh, a, do, a quick question here, but you know, there's the, the old, the old statement, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Sure. And, uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted to bring that up because it seems like it's not true. Anybody that I know that does what they love, they yeah, do it more. Work than anything else yeah double down right you, you just so you're actually working more often but i find perhaps it is just it's a lighter not even a lighter load but you, you want to do it you want you like yeah. you love doing it so you just do more of it if that absolutely makes sense. yeah man i mean i i gave up i was working like 11 hour days making very good money as a physical therapist and i gave up all of the money and now i work like 16 hour days. So mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't necessarily a good trade off. But I also see us in this building phase right now where I, I personally think what I'm doing with combining spirituality, plant medicine, jujitsu, I think it's a little bit ahead of the curve. And I think that this is where society is moving with the widespread adoption of psychedelics. So I see this as putting in a lot of work right now building this foundation to what will become something much greater in coming years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, five years, 10 years down the line, I will be able to take the foot off the gas and step back and actually go on some vacations with my children and things like that. But I actually just had this talk with my wife yesterday because I was talking about more projects and more groups of folks going through our program. And she's seven months pregnant. So, of course, she's thinking, all right, I'm going to have to step away pretty soon. And I'm thinking, that's perfect. I want to do more work. Like, let me work more. I've been lazy for the last like five years. Like I'm now in a position where I want to do things. I want to provide for my family. I want to build this. And it's, uh, it's interesting because it's about the first time in my life that I've really felt that. And, uh, I think it's a, a good place to be in. Sean, you got some thoughts? Yeah. Congratulations that you're at that point. Cause that's a great point to be at. And I mean, uh, I don't want to, uh, understate my congratulations because, you know, some folks out there who, who are listening may not have picked up what you're, you dropped down. Uh, uh, maybe you, you said it a bit more casually, uh, than, than was uh, required. I think, uh, for the casual listener who casually listened to that, they're not going to understand the immense amount of work that it took <laughs> to get to the position that you're at right now with that understanding. And so, uh, oh, yeah. I think that's a, that's a great place to be. And, 
Um, by the way, uh, not just uh, congratulations for getting to that point, but congratulations for everyone who gets to work with you in the future. Because uh, with your clear vision and your um, focus on going all in, on being of service in this regard, you know, lucky clients that are coming down the pipeline over the next uh, couple of years kind of thing. Uh, something that you'd said, you know, you're working really hard to create this structure that is perhaps <clears throat> not quite bleeding edge, but at the leading edge of the possible... Uh, intersection of psychedelics bjj and spirituality and this trifecta if you will um you are kind of on a, a leading edge as it were uh, but uh i think irrespective of what what the next event is for you or how many events come down the pipe over the next year or two that for you to think that you're on the leading edge well again congratulations because not only did you put yourself there it's not it's not just the clients that are gaining i mean for you to be able to understand that you are in this position it's you that's probably gained the most through that understanding of you being able to provide in that sense and uh i i, I mean tell me i'm wrong uh but uh don't you feel that you now have like the weight of the world off your shoulders and you're just happy to be in the game I don't know if I would say the weight of the world off of my shoulders. I would say it feels more like surfing a wave in the sense that it still is effortful to stay up on the board and you still have to adjust as things come at you. But it's as if there's this tide behind me now propelling things forward and all I have to do is on it. But it's no longer where I have to scratch and, and scrape things together and try to convince people to sign up for the thing that I'm doing, right? It's mm -hmm. like, there is this propelling force that is bringing this to the forefront and all I have to do is sort of allow it to come out and foster that. And I attribute a lot of that. And, uh, you know, you're, you're telling me congratulations, which I really do appreciate, but very little of this is because of me or anything that I did. I take some credit maybe just for the commitment that I made to it and the work that I'm putting in. Um, but beyond that, it's all just by the grace of the people that I've gotten to learn from, like my indigenous maestros down in Peru, all the teachers that I've had along the way, the plants themselves, my wife, uh, my jujitsu instructors, my training partners, all these people. At the end of the day, like I take credit for very little of this, like I said, beyond my commitment to my family and my commitment to trying to do these things with integrity. Um, but, you know, we, we've shared some stories before of folks who came down to Peru with me and yes, if you ask them, like my role was integral to their experience, but I didn't do anything. I just sort of facilitated that to occur for them or had a hand in the facilitation of it at least. But, um, I feel like I went on a tangent, but, uh, <laughs> that's okay. It's an we, important we tangent, tangent to bring up. Oh yeah. John, what are you thinking? Yeah, so a um, <clears throat> couple of things there. First of all, uh, it's it's nice to be able to paddle uh, out into the ocean. And that was your idea to maybe create mm. something as a trifecta. But all of that paddling out mm. into the ocean is kind of almost behind you now. Now you're surfing. And, yeah, and, and, like and, that. and, and that surfing is, uh, as I see it, it's it's interesting what pops into mind. We we all have a mutual friend, Tanya, uh, Super Saiyan Magical Girl. Whoa, I got a bear yep. at my garbage. Oh, is that a... Dang. I, I got to get rid of this bear just a sec. Roger. 
just gonna run out and he's gonna take off and strangle a bear yeah that's his bjj <laughs> kicking in right now don't worry about it so we got uh, <laughs> next thing the bear's gonna come and talk to the talk to yeah the bear's gonna again. pop on the headset <laughs> right. uh, i do well, i do really like that analogy just just real quick what he was saying about yep, the paddling well, out piece of the surfing because yep. i guess in that sense the paddling out was my uh struggle with the identity and all the work that i put in to get to this point where you're struggling against the ocean and paddling out and then riding the wave kind of back in. I do like that uh, little extended analogy there. It's good. You know, there's a, there's some depth to it as well, because you really think about what it is you do when you're surfing huh? and he's back. He has strangled the bear. He's all good Make to go. quick work of that bear. Dude, yeah. it was all standing up, like just about to take the lid off the garbage. Thursday is hellacious around here. Last Thursday. The bear grabbed our garbage, dragged it into our backyard, and so we've got like last week's garbage and this week's garbage out there right now. Oh. <sighs> Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> um, I was just saying that uh, you know we were talking about the analogy of surfing, and I was saying that you know the it, it's a great analogy in terms of every part of it because you're going to be initially struggling against the tide, right? There's a struggle portion of it. Then there's also a point where you get to sit and you got to wait and you got to find your wave. Right. And once you find your wave and you can see it coming, then you can start paddling for it. Doesn't mean you're always going to catch it, but like you can start to see when they're coming. And that is a development of time of constantly going back out there and then crashing and then going back out there and crash and until you can find it and then you hit it and da 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 go from there. But it's a, that's a great analogy. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, the, uh, what you've described and I'm not a surfer, so, you know, correct me if me I'm neither. wrong. I've surfed twice. <laughs> yeah, right. Three that's, people who've never surfed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's once more than me, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, I understand the principle of it and I understand sort of the, the magic of it to some degree based on all of the other sports that I've done in my life that are similar mountain biking or skiing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, um, something that, uh, I, I was about to say before I was so rudely interrupted by a freaking bear is uh, Super Cyan uh, Magical Girl, Tanya, yeah. uh, had said yesterday we were talking about the concept of, I, I'm, I might misquote it, but it's Onid, Onenda, is oh, that yeah, correct? Yeah. Onenda, and I believe it's, um, it's certainly a First Nations or Native American Indian um, concept that refers to kind of the spirit in things. So okay. she kind of made a remark about how I go up to a, an area up here on the mountain bike trails in the mountains called the tree of suffering. And I've been cracking off push-ups and all kinds of things up there for <laughs> nearly about four years. And, uh, while I was up there and I named it the tree of suffering, cause I've just done a bunch of suffering up there. Um, so that she referenced that that tree probably has spirit based on all of the time that I've spent with it, my spirit, its spirit, we're combining spirits and et cetera. And I believe that, I do. Sure. I believe that everything animate or inanimate has spirit in it and it's for us to feel it or not. And so um, what you were describing is a tie into kind of like what Chance and I were laughing about, not laughing ha ha, but laughing, yeah, there's, there's something to that, uh, the force. And, uh, you know, when you're out on the wave or you're in the right trajectory or you're in the groove, for lack of a better term, it just feels not fully effortless, but it feels like you're being propelled. It Absolutely. feels like you're, you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and everything is in alignment. 
call it the force, call it Ananda, call it whatever you want, but call it surfing. Uh, but there's a time in life where you should start to try to feel if you're in the rhythm, in the groove, in the in the trench flow, as it were. So do you feel like you're fully immersed in that now or half mm. into it? Or have you have you kind of categorized where you're at, even though it's hard for you to visualize or conceptualize what 100% feels like? Yeah, it's definitely something that I think about often, actually. And uh, I don't know that I'm 100% there yet, but I am certain that I'm moving in that direction. So it's interesting because you can look at it a bunch of different ways, but I, I put a lot of stock into Hinduism and Vedic ideas and the Bhagavad Gita. And in Hinduism, there's the idea of the Dharma, which is essentially your role on earth, your purpose, how you fit into the bigger picture. And everyone is said to sort of have their own Dharma based on past lives, based on whatever you want to, I, I don't know how deep down this rabbit hole you guys want to go, but I've gone we quite can all, deep myself. I, I, I know you have. <laughs> So they say, if you are living out your Dharma, everything is just sort of playing out naturally as it as it's meant to. You're not accumulating any new karma because you're not making any new mistakes. You're not deviating from your path. You're just living out your exact role in society. And I've thought a lot about that. And there's all these synchronicities that start to happen, especially when you work with psychedelics, little winks from the universe of just uh I think little little winks of confirmation that you're moving in the right direction. The universe is just like, I see you. Yep, that's it. Keep keep on going. That's good. Just like little nods of of confirmation. And I've gotten so many of those as I've stepped onto this path. And then seeing the effects and the results as it plays out in other people's lives is undeniable in terms of like the people that I've connected with and helped on this path. And then as you said about the spirits of things, man, that's something I completely buy into. I go down to Peru to sit with indigenous maestros or shamans. They, they use the term maestro, but everyone understands the term shaman. And this is a perfect time. I'll bring this up. So I have this ayahuasca vine that's been carved into a pipe that I use to smoke sacred Peruvian tobacco out of. And ayahuasca and tobacco are two of the strongest plant spirits in the Shipibo cosmology, if you will. And you can ask them for help. So every morning I actually sit with my pipe and I pray. And one of the things that I pray for is help with that uh, sort of that that unseen force behind you, ushering things forward, bending other people's will, if you want to call it that, to step onto this path with me, not in a manipulative way, but in a way of helping them make the best choice for them, which happens to coincide with the best thing for me in terms of working together or getting onto this path together. So yeah, as far as that unseen force goes, that spirit that lifts things up, that's something that I actively ask for more of in my life and something that I actively seek. And whether it's confirmation bias or whether it's real, it certainly feels like it works. So I keep doing it. Uh, the concept we're, you're talk, we were talking about or that Tanya brought up is called Orenda. Orenda, right. It is a name for a certain spiritual energy inherent in people and their environment. It is an extraordinary, invisible power believed by the Iroquois Native Americans to pervade in varying degrees in all animate and inanimate natural objects as a transmissible spiritual energy capable of being exerted according to the will of its possessor. Totally. Sounds like the force to me. <laughs> that was like that as I was reading it, I was like, that you could just say add midichlorians to it and you'd be good to go for it. <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. But there's there's lots of names for it though, right? Providence. Um there as just as an example, but throughout I think pretty much 
most spiritual teachings, there is a concept that is everything has a spirit. Everything that you engage with in life has some sort of, there's an interaction there. It's not just a inanimate object. It's not just yeah. a tree. It's not just a rock. There is a, there's a piece to it that you have to engage with. Yeah. But Sean, what do you think? No, I, or, sorry. sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say, I, I agree that everything has a spirit or an energy that you're interacting with. And I think that we don't often consider that energetic exchange that occurs. So uh, a lot of plant medicine practices have some sort of restrictive process beforehand to prepare for it. With ayahuasca, it's called the dieta. And it involves things like abstaining from pork, red meat, dairy. One of the most important pieces is actually abstaining from sex for a while. Um, because there is this like energy exchange that occurs. And uh, it's it's something I've really noticed with a lot of other like young fighters who have come to our jujitsu retreats, where thinking about that idea, because we do a Temescal ceremony, which is a native Aztec sweat lodge ceremony. And that's one of the ideas that comes up is kind of working with this energy, this male female dynamic and how that applies to your life. And after this last retreat, I had two young fighters break up with girls back home because they realized that they were in that relationship for all the wrong reasons, that they were just sort of using them for that. And they had this realization that that's not the type of energetic exchange that they wanted to be a part of. And so they, it, it was a huge change for them. I was really proud of them. These 23 year old kids having this realization in an Aztec sweat lodge in Mexico, you know, and how that's going to affect their lives back home. Yeah. Fantastic. Sean, what are you thinking? Yeah, I love it because uh, what you're kind of describing is almost a pattern interrupt that we all need mm. from time to time. And, uh, you know, framing it through the um, a ritualistic uh, effort is a way to open someone's eyes. But, uh, you know, mankind has been doing ritualistic, intentional consideration s since probably the dawn of man. And, um, you know, whether it's a tobacco pipe or holding a rock up in front of the sun and, and speaking to it like it's a spirit 10,000 years ago, whatever it is, these things that mankind has adopted over the eons is, is just a, it's like a putting the key in an ignition of a car. It is the action that starts creating the understood outcome of what you're trying to do drive your car or drive your spirit or drive the world or understand how things work and so for those young guys being introduced to the ritualistic intentional consideration of who they are in the moment and how to live their lives in a better way in the future whether it's through tobacco or through ayahuasca or staring at a daffodil in the rain it it there's, there's power to all of these things, but the power only exists once you give them power. And so if you, if you were to listen to David describe how a ritualistic uh, moment can change someone's life and you don't believe in that, it's got no power. I, I mean, now, now you're watching a, a cartoon series and and not really understanding what's going on but you're kind of laughing because it's whatever you're you're kind of not taking it for what it is you're not understanding what the moment represents and therefore you're not engaged in the potential outcome uh, for you in the future and so these kind of things um 
certainly from a veteran perspective, I, I feel that it's more common to uh, brush these ritualistic moments off. Because in the military, our ritualistic intentional consideration moments are like when we're freaking loading magazines. And there's there's no thought to um, the spirituality of the moment in that moment. It's, it's task-focused, and it's mechanical, and it's logical, and there's no room really for interpretation on on feeling what the universe is presenting to you in that moment. Whereas flip-flopping that and titling it uh, intentional real uh, ritualistic interpretation, it's it's the same as loading mags, except we, we change our, our thought process. We open our minds to something bigger, more, uh, more evasive or eluding as uh, on our day-to-day life. So these pattern interrupts where you say, hey, you sit down, we're going to do something that is way out of your norm. Sometimes it's just that that can help propel a person forward. There's a great point on that, Sean, that I just want to touch on is that um, there's a vibe, right? And we you don't actually think about it when you're loading magazines, but... There's either it's two things. Either everyone's laughing and oh, joking. Oh, I, I right? did. I did yeah. think. <laughs> no, I yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The uh, there's there's that two there's two sides to it too because there's that laughing. Ha ha. Everybody's like, yeah, it's, we're having fun, and there's uh, there's that vibe to it. But there's also the 100% serious in the game. People are loading mags. They're mm-hmm. fitting their gear, and there's no talking. Mm-hmm. And it's just you could walk into that room and be like. Okay, like in you. Yeah, as long as you're picking up what everyone's putting down, as long as you're vibing, as long as you're, as long as you are open to the messages that the universe is sending you. I mean, if if you walk into a place where everyone's super serious, getting getting ready to go do things, well, if you just kind of walk in like the class clown because you just had your favorite bowl of cereal and you're totally not going to tune into the moment. Well, now, now, now you're the anomaly and everyone who's in the game does this hmm. and, and target locks on the class clown because the class clown is not synchronized with the moment. And that's, I mean, sometimes we've all been the class clown living our lives unsynchronized with the moment and being the distraction. And I, I think that we feel it, man. I mean, obviously when you walk into a serious room where everyone's loading up and you're the clown. I mean, that becomes super apparent, super quick and super uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but there's levels to the game. Of course, when you saunter into a place, it's not as intense or you're not as much of a clown and you kind of wander in and it feels a bit off, but you're not sure why it's because the Delta is not big enough for you to understand that that's what's going on. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's interesting aspects to what you just said, and it doesn't have to be so uh so much of a delta that uh you know yeah absolutely dave you were gonna say something a second ago what, what do you got uh yeah that that took a different turn because i've never been in such a room with people loading magazines and fitting on gear with serious intent um what i was gonna harp on was what sean brought up about a pattern interrupt and how you you kind of talked touched on how a ritual serves that purpose to break out of your normal everyday kind of routine and think about what's going on here. And I think the, the phrasing of it as a pattern interrupt is really potent in today's society where we do so many things sort of unconsciously 
because our intention has been hijacked by algorithms and smartphones and short attention spans and flashing lights and things like this. So something that I used to do for myself as an exercise was I would carry my phone on me, but I would turn it off and leave it in my pocket just like normal. And you know how modern iPhones don't have an actual home button. It's like that haptic feedback that happens when you tap mm. it. And if the phone is off, you don't get that feedback. And so I would pull out my phone, tap the button, and it wouldn't react the way that I was anticipating it to. And it would be that pattern interrupt. And I would actually say to myself, wait, why did I just pull my phone out of my pocket? Did I have to send a message? Did I have to check something? No, it happened completely unconsciously just out of habit. I was probably going to just pull it out and go open up Instagram and just start scrolling for absolutely no reason whatsoever. But that little pattern interrupt was enough for me to stop, ask myself, what am I actually doing here? And then if I did have to send a text, I turn my phone on, I send the text, I turn it back off. And that would save me so much time of just mindless scrolling because our intention has been hijacked and we don't even think about it anymore. So I, I think of like pattern interrupts, I think are an extremely valuable thing to think about how can I actually fit more of that? Like how can I engineer more of that into my life? if I want to disrupt this pattern of mindless scrolling, for example, or insert whatever other habit you want to uh, alter, you know. But you know, through that process, the pattern interrupts that you start introducing them become the pattern. And oh, 100%. So, when you, you my know, phone like... notifies me that I'm past my time limit on Instagram, and I just instinctively know where to put my thumb for like 15 more minutes, and then I'm right. there until it happens again, 100%. <laughs> right. And, and you know, so uh, we can run our lives with the idea, if, if let's say we're all born with the notion that we have to constantly introduce pattern interrupts into our routine in order to create more positive routines, in order to uh, kind of pattern check our patterns. Um, I mean, that'd be fantastic, but nobody's born that way. And so even if you did get born that way and you did run a really rigorous program on constantly running pattern interrupts, now your pattern is pattern interrupts. And so I, I feel that uh, the, for me anyway, the best way to use this kind of advice is in the spirit of things. Occasionally you run in pattern interrupts, but not make it my job to be a pattern interrupter. Uh, for me, it's, it's more about feel, vibe, frequency, synchronicity in the moment of what feels the right thing to do. And, and that's with myself or with anyone. And so I think rather than being dogmatic and constantly focusing on pattern interrupts, more correctly, focus on trying to feel why you need a pattern interrupt and try to feel what that pattern interrupt did and try to feel the outcome of that pattern interrupt and how you would do it differently. Don't get mechanical with the action, get with the synchronicity of the moment so you can feel the mechanics of it and then adjust accordingly. I have, I have a thought on this and I'm going to go back to being a star Wars nerd because that is who I am. So <laughs> and I should probably put a pattern interrupt into that, but I'm not going to today. The, um, the concept that I clicked in my head here was the, within the Jedi Order, they always talk about reach out with your feelings. And I always took that to mean like, try to reach out with your emotional state and try and feel what other people are feeling. But it's really starting to enlighten in the last little while that reaching out with your feelings isn't so much an emotional thing like your feelings. It's about reaching out with a sense like touch or taste or so you're 
actually physically feeling something, but it is something that has to be done intentionally. You have to actually reach out with them. You have to reach out and touch the screen or reach out and touch something without the physicality of it. What do you guys think of that? My on base or no? What do you think? I mean, I'm not a Star Wars guy myself, so I don't know the reference and I, I apologize. But um, yeah, with what you're saying of maybe it's not about feelings like anger, happiness, sadness, but feelings as on a, a sort of intuitive level, maybe of just how does this make me feel? How do I feel when I engage in this behavior? Uh, I think that that's something that we don't spend enough time listening to. And so, Sean, to your point also, like the goal is not just to implement more pattern interrupts, but the goal is to see what things are working. And if something is not making you feel good, that's something that you want to interrupt from happening more. And I, I think that we're so disconnected usually from our intuitions of things. and We're actually taught to not really trust them. And uh, most people are not even capable of really getting in touch with what they feel in their internal environment until it boils over into something like anger. So. I don't know if that lands at all with your Jedi analogy, but that's kind of how yeah. I take that. It works. Sean, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that for myself, I treat it, um, maybe the best way to explain it is like a radar. Mm -hmm. a, a radar is not, it's not angry or sad or it's nothing. It's a neutral signal that is bounced off the world around it and gets a feedback. It's a feedback loop. And so that's the way I like to do things. I try to, I try to neutrally feel what's around me. I, like I just try to be a receiver. Yeah, be a witness. That's right. That's right. Uh, but on many levels, not not just with my Mark One eyeballs. Um, you know, through 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 my spirit, I try to feel the world around me. I try to feel the animate and inanimate uh and i try to feel the force i try to feel all of these things and and i've been trying to do that for a long time to the degree where i i have i don't have to try as hard or i don't have to be as conscious about trying to feel the world around me as the decades go by i feel more of the world and so it's mm -hmm. it's like you know uh, how many times did you guys blink in the last 60 seconds that's right no one's counting and that's the way I am right now. I just feel. And I think that um, you, you can either choose to ignore what you're feeling. And I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about feel. You can either choose to ignore what you feel, or you can believe that what you feel is, um, we'll call it legit. And then it's for you to decide what you're going to do with that. And so I think it's important that people feel the world around them. And then the next step is to decide what you're going to do with that feel, not your feelings, but the thing that you felt process mm -hmm. that on how to maybe get better at feeling the world around you. Mm -hmm. Dave, you got anything else on that? Yeah, I love that on many levels. And I, I think that that's where most dysfunction and sickness comes from is that people don't want to feel those things and they instead reach for things to numb it or distract them from it. At least that's been my experience in folks who have eating disorders, who are alcoholics, who abuse marijuana, who spend too much time scrolling through TikTok. It's because whatever is going on in their internal environment is uncomfortable and they don't know what to do about it. They just know that it's not a good feeling and they seek to avoid it however they can. And that's a huge part of the puzzle of, of improving that 
is getting better at just straight up feeling it, right? Getting better at using that radar and being sort of dispassionate about what's going on there, but just noticing it. And then the next step is, okay, what do I do about it? How do I process it? But so many folks, I think, are just scared to even look at what's going on there. And so it's easier to get drunk or get high or look at TikTok for eight hours. Yeah. There's a there's a direct corollary to BJJ in this, right? In that <laughs> when you first begin, all of your all of your effort is focused onto the one thing, which is don't die. Right? Don't just whatever you can try and do to not die. But by constantly focusing on that, you're not actually playing the game of jujitsu. You're just you're you're constantly fighting against everything. You're not allowing yourself to feel the moments that you can transition or do any of these things to, to actually do jujitsu. Mm. And I think that that is a, it, it's a direct physical corollary, at least to kind of what we're talking about is that as you get better at understanding those feelings, as you get better at understanding the cues that your body uh, feels in those moments, you're all like, there was an arm bar there. Ooh. And then you start okay, I want that armbar. And then you start going after it until you can actually find those right moments to, to get it. That's my thoughts on it. But am I on base there, Sean? You look like... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I'm just listening and, and processing and trying to uh, determine my thoughts on it. And I guess I pretty much disagree with what you're saying because uh, <laughs> the, the, the focus for me is not to try... The focus is not to try not to die. The, initially, when you start BJJ, your first night, your focus is to fight. That's what everyone does. They fight. It's not that they're they're trying to stop the death, because that's later in the BJJ pro program. That's called your that, ego. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And so your first night, you're all about just trying to survive. You're fighting. Your focus is fighting off the individual that you can't understand their power. You can't understand their magic. Mm. You can't understand all of the things you're fighting the wave you're paddling out to the ocean you you're not surfing yet and so your only job in those first few nights most people is just to try to fight back though they don't understand how later in the journey the fight is against the ego of course uh, but later in the path maybe when you hit purple or brown who knows um, at some point you you aren't fighting you aren't worried about dying. All you're focused in is feeling. Mm -hmm. You're neutrally observing the universe around you, taking in the information that is in the real time. And then for me, I process it through my, I feel this is what's happening. And I feel the right thing to do in this now moment is dot, dot, dot. And by feel, I don't mean I'm going to dial up my intensity or my anger or my sad or I'm talking about my radar, my neutral interpretive radar of the world around me in the moment. And so that's my thoughts on BJJ. Yeah, no, that's an accurate, um, I'm glad you were able to flesh that out more because it was, um, less than less than accurate <laughs> Dave, you got I'm, I'm, I'm just over here reflecting on where I'm at in my jiu-jitsu game and trying to come up with an extended metaphor for every part of jiu-jitsu and surfing and I feel like brand new white belt is you're swimming against a riptide that is pulling you under and you're just struggling against it <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe I'm at the point 
where I've learned to paddle out and go with it. And I'm working on standing up on the board and occasionally it works. And most of the time it doesn't. I think that's where I'm at in jujitsu right now. Well, at least you're past the uncomfortable part where you're, you've paddled out, you've sorted things out, you're on your board and it's your first time on the wave. And you're like, Hey guys, look at me. You know, that, that I, everyone I, has to go through that phase as well. <laughs> I think, I think still maybe at the point where I don't even believe that it should be working because I've fallen <laughs> right, off the board right. so many times. Yeah. 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 But now when sure. I'm balanced on it, I'm like, this can't last. This is yeah, a for trick. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fun phase as well. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it, it, I, I do love to bring this back to f some sort of physical analogy because we've been, we've been talking very metaphysical and very yeah. like outside the box, but there are a lot of really great physical correlations. And I mean, Sean, you actually brought up, um, you know, putting the key in the car and turning it on and going somewhere, but we rarely ever take into thought all of the steps that are required and all of the little things that need to work in order for you to drive a car let alone go to where you need to go. I mean, just the inner mechanics of how the engine works, everything has to work in sequence for your engine to work, for you to drive anywhere. And then traffic has to work the way it's supposed to work for you to get to where you're going. If you want it to be seamless, if you know what I mean. So the, I, I just, I really love the fact that we can, we can bring it back to a physical analogy because this is part of the game. This is part of what we're doing here is trying to give people the information or trying to not give people, but facilitate the information that we've come up with or we've seen or we've learned from other people and then deliver it to the world, which mm. is what I see the collective doing. And I think it's a, I think it's a great thing so far that we've been hitting on all these points. Now, do you guys have any other thoughts on this? I got a couple of comments I want to hit on, but well, if you're going to use your uh, vehicle analogy, then I think uh, before you even consider how to drive in traffic, is there gas in your tank? You know, and what, what does that represent? Well, that, that represents looking after your vehicle called your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that means that you got to get the right amount of sleep and not just an amount of sleep, quality sleep, enough deep and REM. And how do you do that? Well, you start learning how to control the variables in order to set yourself up for a good night's sleep, of which there are many variables. You got to eat. That's, that's gas in the tank. And what are you eating? Well, are you eating regular or are you eating premium? Or are you just not eating enough that you, you're creating gas in the tank? Mm -hmm. And so on and on and on it goes. Do, do I need to make reference to having the right amount of water in the windshield uh, wiper tank? I mean... <laughs> Come on, we could play with it all day long. But the fact is that before you get out into traffic, before you even back up out of your driveway, the vehicle has got to be good to go. You, I mean, if you turn on your ignition and all the smoke pours out of the back of your car, and as you were getting, looking in the rearview mirror and, and backing out of your driveway, you notice that you've got four flats. Do you drive out into traffic? Well, maybe some people do, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a sign. A flat tire is a sign that you need to change your tire. So we can do it for our vehicles, but sometimes we can't do it within our life. That would be my play on the analogy. Have, uh, have you guys ever known somebody who their car starts making a weird noise and their solution is to turn up the radio? Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> that's good. That, that's, that, that's a great play right there. That's the equivalent of not listening to those signs and just looking at your phone for eight hours, distracting it. It's 100% true. I, uh, we, I just recently had to replace the brakes on my car. And the reason why we knew how that we needed to replace the brakes was there was a slight like it's a weird grinding sensation when we take yeah. a corner a certain way. And it was it wasn't really an issue for ninety eight percent of the drive at anywhere we were going. But there was just these small points where we were like, that doesn't sound or feel right in the uh in the steering. Eventually I found out that it was the fact that my brake pad had actually fused to itself to the uh, to the rotor and had to change it all out but it's this it's the small things it's those little things that you're like that just doesn't feel right but 99% of the time it won't be there or 90% of the time it won't be there or and if you let it continue if you don't do anything about it then it's going to be there more often and you're going to feel what it will people often. do and so let me throw this at you yeah. the only reason that you changed your brake <clears throat> is because it was making too much noise Eventually, it was so loud that it was irritating, either irritating you or more correctly, and this is what I see, you're driving through town, you're taking a corner, it's making that wild noise and people are starting to look. Mm -hmm. And now, now you're feeling it. Now you're feeling either the judgment or you're feeling the eyeballs or you're feeling that you're feeling embarrassed or you're feeling like you're letting down society, whatever goes through someone's head. Like that, that squeal when your pads are worn down, it's, it's a thing. It, it happens to, it's built into the pad. Mm -hmm. So um, these are signals in our lives that we can ignore by turning up the radio. But it's hard to ignore when you're being judged on the sidewalk <laughs> as you're rounding that corner. Now you're embarrassed. How is it that we can be embarrassed about our brake squeal? But we can't be embarrassed about uh, how we're running a sloppy life in our own house or how we're living a sloppy life in the in the quiet moments where nobody's seeing it. The moment that someone looks at us as we're squealing by, now it's important. But until the squeal occurs, whatever, my brakes are still there, right? Yeah. Dave, you got any thoughts on that? No, that's a totally good point that... Uh... It's the judgment of others that actually motivates you, not so much the self-judgment or the self-motivation most of the time. It also hits really close to home because the front brakes on my bike squeal like crazy and I definitely get looks <laughs> whenever I pull up somewhere and I do need to fix that actually. <laughs> well, I think uh, this is, again, great your great analogy, um, but the, the difference, and this is what I see a lot in the veteran community and what I've seen in terms of um, doing advocacy and stuff like that is the fact that people see these things all the time, right? They, they, they see it, they see their dashboard with all of the lights on, <clears throat> right? But the car still runs and they still have to get, they still have to go get groceries. They still have to go do all the things, yeah. but they have all the lights on, but the lights are inside the car. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they're, they're not actually going to do anything about it because well, the, the outside of the car still looks fine. Mm. Like, it's, it's all good. We're just going to keep going. doesn't matter about the smoke. doesn't matter about the noise. At rest, the car is fine. I use these huge air quotes because the car is fine. It's not fine at all. But and it's not until you start, you, once you start actually looking at the car and you're like, oh man, the, the brakes are toast and the engine's gone and I, I have no oil and I have, the, and you start listing off all the things that are wrong, then you get start to get overwhelmed. Instead of focusing on, well, I can fix this right now. 
and then I can work on that and then I can work on that. It's all the things are wrong. There's no way I could fix this. So I'm just, but the outside looks nice. So we're just imagine, uh, imagine someone going to inspect that car because they're, they want to buy it and they're going to check it out and they actually take a look, they take a deeper look and they're like, oh, there's no way I'm getting involved with this thing. That's what it's like to go try to find a relationship when you're all messed up inside. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly. (laughs) At least it should be, or else someone will ignore it and be like, I can fix that car. (laughs) And then they're just in a world of trouble. Yeah. And and here's the fun part uh, about the car analogy is, uh, a lot of people will, you know, ignore their car and drive it into the ground and then shrug their shoulders and dot, 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 go buy a new car. Yeah. But you don't get to buy a new car in life. You, nope. you only get one car. <laughs> That's the trick. And the other part of it is that we'll uh, actively keep people from seeing, right? If you have that, if you have that dashboard that's lit up and somebody says, hey, can I just take a look at it real quickly? And you'd be like, no. It looks good from the outside, right? Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, again, I, I push back on the, or I pull back to the, the advocate side of the world. Veterans, when they're struggling, start pushing people away. I think everybody, when they start struggling, will start pushing people away rather than reaching out like, hey, my friend's a mechanic. Do you want me to go like a look, take a look kind of deal? And it, nope, the car looks good from the outside because the car, because the outside has been the important part for so many years rather than the inside if that allegory makes sense. Um, any thoughts on that? We're getting close on time. So I'd, anything you got? Okay. So I got a couple comments here and then we could probably shut her down for the day. Um, Matt Hebert jumps in. He, I hope I pronounced that right. Hebert um, comes in with this. You don't stress out about things you don't care about and you can't create a meaningful life without experiencing some stress. Dr. Kelly McGonigal. I like that. You guys got any thoughts on it? John, no. I like it. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's a good generic uh, comment that I think I I feel pretty comfortable nodding. But you know, <laughs> it's I mean that's a four hour long podcast to yeah, uh, talk about. Day, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we also have Kh jumps in. He says, "Always have an axe nearby to chase bears." <laughs> oh, Solid. Yeah, Always good one to have after that. Laser and beam then, shooting out my eyes on that one. Right. And then Chris K jumps in. He says, "Just going after a bear." Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so we are uh, just about at time. So let's get some final thoughts then on playing the game on anything that we've got or Renda anything. Dave, what do you hmm. got? Hmm. I don't know. We covered a lot. Listen to the warning lights in your car. Pay attention to those feelings. Listen to it. Don't just shove it down. Don't turn up the radio to drown out the noise coming from your tires. Actually listen to it and recognize that it's okay to get help. It doesn't mean that you're a terrible person. It doesn't mean that you've screwed everything up beyond repair. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're worthless. It doesn't mean that people should judge you for it. it. just means that you need a little bit of help. And there's folks out there to help you. There's mechanics. There are plant medicine facilitators. There is my jujitsu retreat. So ask for help. <laughs> had, to, had to throw it in there, man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, dates on that one, by the way. Dates on the jujitsu retreat. Uh, we have one that's like next month for vets and first responders. Still a couple open spots, October 23rd through the 27th. If you want to come next year, it is May 3rd through 10th, 2024. Fantastic. I would, I would attend that uh, first one in October. However... Uh, October 30th, I'm uh, going overseas to coach at a world championship 24 hour solo in Australia. So 
my schedule is wheels up on the 30th. So I got a couple of things in front of that. So otherwise and I'd be there, got, buddy. You got three days in between. I know. Bro. So, so much time. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I, also, I, I did think about it though. I know it's yeah. tight, but I did, I'm, I'm, I haven't ruled it out, but I think it's a bit tight. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. My concern is we got to run the show. And it would be very difficult to run that in Peru. It, the I got, <laughs> oh no, run. bro, this is Wi-Fi. I got, or this is, uh, this is Mexico. We got Mexico, Wi-Fi. Yeah. I got, I got microphones. Got you can make it happen, bro. Come on. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to have to talk Come to on. my wife again. <laughs> Chance Burl's maybe talking too much. <laughs> Might be, yeah. Sean, what do you got for final thoughts? What do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I just want to suggest this and whether you believe it or not, uh, uh, that's for you to decide, but this is the facts of the matter. So uh, before I started this podcast, I put my garbage out, and I know that the bears are rampant right now. Uh, they're they're just like big domesticated garbage dogs. Uh, so Thursday is garbage day, and so as I was putting out my garbage, I thought, man, I better tune into what's going on around me. Not with my peripheral, not with my understanding of the calendar that it's Thursday and bears like Thursday. What I did do was I put myself out there. I expanded my understanding of my world around me by throwing out my radar, by feeling what I feel, by waiting for a signal to show up that I had intentionally set as, I just got to feel for that bear. I got to feel for the bear. So that's what I was doing during the podcast until I felt what I felt, glanced over, saw it going into the garbage almost, and then started executing against that feeling. And so uh, d does that make sense to anyone that I was trying to feel for a bear? Well, maybe it doesn't for you, but it does for me because of the way that I've lived my life and understand that these things are in existence. If you choose to understand that they do exist and then find a way to pursue these kind of, not superpowers, but the abilities that we all have in us that perhaps have been dormant for too long, but it's your job to start uncovering these abilities. And I think that one way that you can do it is through something like David's initiative, where you engage in a little bit of spirituality, a little bit of plant medicine, and a little bit of physicality, and figure out that trifecta and how it can help you tune up your dormant signal. Absolutely. There, there are so many analogies and so many allegories we could go into as to, you know, the force. Um, and there, again, lots of uh, spiritual backgrounds that Orenda is another great terminology for it. But if this is the first time you're hearing about it, go, go after it, go, go research it. We have the internet, we have Wikipedia, we have lots of things. Mm -hmm. If you've never heard of any of these things that we're talking about before, look it up, learn something build upon that learning and then grow into a new person and you do that with us every day here in the collective we'll see you tomorrow chimo chimo